Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Wright. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local and national guests on a variety of topics for you and your family. Jackie and I took a short break. Um, I took a break to spend the holidays with my family, as weird as it was to be socially distanced and masked most of the time. But that's for a future podcast on how weird it was. And Jackie took a break to have a beautiful baby boy, which we want to congratulate her. I have yet to see him in person, which is part of the the fallout of the COVID pandemic. But I've seen lots of pictures, and he is one cute little man. So welcome back, Jackie. Thank you. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about um, the vaccines. Uh, Almost a year later, our conversation about COVID-19 is slowly changing from fear, despair, to possible hope, because there is now a vaccine. But the COVID-19 vaccine is not without its controversy and issues. We know that the pandemic has been one of the largest disasters that the world has ever experienced. Almost 350,000 people have died just in the United States, over 20 million cases it has devastated families and businesses, and wreaked havoc on our economy. But today, as I said, we're going to get back to the vaccine, the pros and cons of it, um, what does it mean, how was it put together, and my guest today is someone that's been on our podcast quite a few times, Dr. Andy Pasternak. He's a local primary care physician and the owner of Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine and Silver Sage Sports and Fitness Lab. Dr. Pasternak, welcome to the to the podcast. You've been on many times. We've discussed COVID, but today it's all about the vaccine. And I know you're very heavily involved in the rollout of the vaccine. Well, thanks for having me back. And I think out of all the podcasts that I've done, this is probably going to be the one that I'm the most excited about. So let's, uh, yeah, let's get some into some vaccine talk here. <laughs> well, you know, the thing that's on most everybody's minds, uh, first of all, is the safety of it. And People have said it was rolled out too quickly. How do they know if it's safe? Uh, can you give us some information on that? Yeah, so that's, I mean, one of the things, so I, I wear many hats, and one of the hats I wear is I'm uh, president-elect of our state medical association, and I do things with Immunize Nevada. One of the things that we've been trying to do over the last, really, uh, month or two since we've known the vaccines have been coming out is just answering people's questions. And safety is, should be, that should be people's, main question. And that was the, really the main question that the, that the FDA had, even more than how effective was the vaccine. Their first thing is we have to make sure it's safe first and then effective second. So safety has been paramount in the whole process. What we do know about the vaccine is with both the vaccines that are out right now, both Pfizer and Moderna, this, when, they, when those got sent to the FDA, we had two months of safety data looking at them. And really what they showed is pretty minimal side effects little muscle ache, little fever. Sometimes that gets a little bit more severe. Um, and we were able to monitor those, those side effects for about uh, two months. A lot of people are concerned about that. But one of the things I tell people is with other vaccines, it's very, very rare to see a side effect after six weeks. And that's why the FDA intentionally set that two-month period. It gave them six weeks plus a little bit of a fudge factor to kind of look at side effects. So you know, with, like I said, with other vaccines, if you're going to see side effects, we'll see them in the first two, three, four weeks, you know, a little bit. Uh, so I, that's why the FDA really kind of set that two-month standard. Um, the other thing that's happening is when you go and get your vaccine, the FDA now has a program called VSAFE. 
So you go, you bring your cell phone, you, you take a photo of this little QR code. And with the QR code, that's going to start asking people questions. Do you have a fever? Do you have a headache? Do you have muscle aches? Have you had to miss work? Have you had to go to the hospital? And, you know, what I'm telling people now is I think we're close to 8 million doses of the vaccine in the United States. And the FDA is looking at this, is using this V-Safe program to monitor side effects very, very closely. That's why we've kind of been able to pick up, you know, some people are having allergic reactions to the vaccine. But we, we're literally looking at these side effects in real time using this V-Safe program. So for me, safety, I think they're doing a great job of monitoring all that. Well, one of the things also that I read, and people uh, feel that the speed of which this was put together uh, might have not made it safe. But what I read is that they've been working on this type of vaccine for years. They didn't just roll out overnight. What they did was tailor it to COVID-19. Is is that correct, what you what you have read? Yep, that's absolutely correct. The, the mRNA technology, this is the first time we've had a commercial vaccine use this. But the mRNA technology that they're talking about is technology that scientists and physicians and researchers have been working on for about 15 years. They've actually developed some vaccines for um, when we had SARS uh, and, and MERS, um, and basically they were able to get the, those under control without vaccinating people. Um, but this is not a brand new technology. It's essentially, it's a tool we've had, you know, I tell people to think about this as a weapon. This is a weapon we've had in our armamentarium that, you know, we haven't had to use because we haven't been in a war. Well, now we're in this pandemic it's, and we pulled this out and it's, it's resulted in incredible success. And, and one of the things that I did, Dr. Pasnak, is ask my staff for questions that they wanted me to ask you. So I'm going to ask you a couple of those. One person um, asked, did the researchers conduct the normal amount of trials? And, and I don't know what normal is, and I'm sure they don't either. But that was their question. So my answer to that would be yes. I mean, um, the, you know, sometimes people are like, well, why, why with other vaccines do we have to study these for years and years? How are we able to come up with this data so quickly? And part of that, the only silver lining of having this huge pandemic and this huge surge of cases really in the fall, was it was right in the middle of the vaccine trial. And so in a way, because we had so many cases of COVID, we could actually demonstrate if the vaccine, how well the vaccine worked faster. Um, you know, the analogy I use is, you know, if you're testing mosquito repellent, you want to go to the jungle and not the Antarctic. Um, and so this mm -hmm. summer, it was the jungle. I mean, we, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, COVID was prevalent. So we really got a good sense of how well the vaccines worked pretty quickly. So, you know, had we, had we, I mean, I would, trust me, I would have preferred to get COVID under control. That would have been my preference. But um, that, that, that big wave that we had really did help to accelerate the vaccine trials. And we knew, you know, from, if you look at the graph, you know, after people get their first shot, it's really clear that you start seeing benefits from the vaccine even even as early as two weeks after your first vaccine now we still want people to get both shots it's a two-shot series for both these vaccines but um you you know from the graphs it's really remarkable uh how even well one that brings shot up at, at two weeks yep yeah that brings up another question if again we're left to what we read but that uh president-elect biden is looking at 
at letting all of the vaccine go out on the first shot to get more people vaccinated. And so what you're saying is that a first shot can still be very effective. And what does it mean when they say it's 90 or 95 percent effective? So, uh, again, good question. So we know that the first shot, again, we know that the first shot's effective. You do get more more immunity after that second shot. So right now, and I, and I, I do not envy the people that are going to have to try to make this decision between one shot or two. Right. I, 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 go, right. I literally go back and forth every day of what the right thing to do with that is. Um, and, you know, and, and um, so, uh, but when we say it's 95% effective, essentially people can still get COVID if you've been vaccinated. You know, we see other vaccines. If people get the vaccine, you can still get that disease. But essentially, this decreases your risk of getting it by 20-fold. So instead of saying, you know, if you had a group of people, um, you know, essentially what I tell people is if you exposed 100 people to COVID, instead of 100 people getting it, it's going to be about maybe five people are going to get it. But That's is a little it, is simplistic, it yeah. If you get the first vaccine and you do get COVID, you don't get it as bad? That, that's what we're seeing, and especially with the Moderna vaccine, uh, but even a little bit with the Pfizer vaccine, that the people who are getting COVID when they've been vaccinated still, yeah, they seem to be getting more mild cases. The Moderna vaccine really demonstrated that, that, you know, the number of ICU admissions, the number of severe cases went down dramatically mm-hmm. with the vaccine. So another one of my staff asked whether um, any fetal tissue is used to make the vaccine. Would you, uh, would you know the answer to that? The answer to that is no. Um, again, the advantage of these vaccines, this is a brand new technology. And the way that they do this is uh, when, the, when, they, when we isolated the, 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 the COVID virus, they basically were able to look at the DNA very quickly. So, you know, some, some researchers basically looked at the DNA, or excuse me, looked at the RNA of the virus. It's an RNA virus. So they looked at the genetic profile of this virus they were able to sort of map it out. And then with this mRNA technology, the researchers could say, okay, we want to build this part of the the virus for your body to make an immune response to. So it's essentially, it's a a chemical process, really. Um, So there's no, compared to some of the other vaccines where people are worried about fetal tissue, this has no fetal tissue and really no preservatives in the vaccine. Okay. And another question on people's minds is the difference between Moderna and Pfizer. And they say, well, which one should I get? Well, I don't know that there's really a choice in which one you get, and I don't know that it matters, does it? Uh, I would get the one that you can get in your arm the fastest. Um, yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, there's some subtle differences between them. Pfizer, uh, you know, to me, Pfizer has a little bit better of a side effect profile, um, in terms of aches and pains and things like that compared to Moderna. Uh, and clinically, that's kind of what we're seeing with the, with the people I know who have been getting vaccinated. Uh, Pfizer also has the advantage of it's a three-week window versus four, so you kind of get, you get it over with quicker. Um, you know, Moderna has some advantages in terms of a little easier. I think it's going to be easier for people to access because of some of the storage issues. Um, but my wife got Pfizer. I got Moderna. So that sort of tells you, I don't have a strong feeling either way. Okay, good. Um, And of course, uh, with some of what's been in the media, people are asking about the allergic reactions, but mostly what they're asking is, 
What allergies should prohibit you from getting the vaccine? Specific allergies, perhaps. So we think, we're not 100% sure, but the, the mRNA is, they do sort of code it in something called polyethylene glycol, uh, which is a chemical that's used we, when people do a bowel prep. Uh, they drink polyethylene glycol to kind of clear out their gut. Um, it's a very rare allergy. I've talked to some of the allergists here in Reno about it. Um, you know, one of the guys commented, you know, he's, he's, he's maybe seen two cases of polyethylene glycol allergy in his entire career. So, um, you know, obviously if someone has a known allergy to that, you would want to avoid it. We're also sort of telling people if you have really severe allergies to the point where, you know, you have to carry an EpiPen and you're using EpiPens, um, you might want to be, you want to be careful or you would want to talk to your doctor about this. Um, right now, so that's, the allergy, yeah. That's really a defining thing. I, I want to go over that one more time because many of us have very minor allergies uh, occasionally to things. You're talking about extreme where somebody carries an EpiPen and, and maybe has to use an EpiPen. I want to, I want to get really clear on that if you would, Dr. Pasternak. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, if by allergies, you mean I get a runny nose, I get hives. Uh, yeah, maybe I get a little bit itchy um, when, when I eat something or I get a little bit of a rash. That's going to be okay. We're talking about people who have, you know, difficulty breathing, um, you know, and, and like I said, that those are the severe allergies that we would warn people about. Good. Yeah, I wanted to get really clear on that because uh, most of us have an allergy to something where we get a runny nose. I'm allergic to dogs. I mean, it, right. you know, and cats. But and so, what other what medical conditions would prohibit someone from getting the vaccine? There's really not a lot right now where they're saying people can't get the vaccine. I mean, again, we're giving this to, to people. You know, one of the first priority groups is people in nursing homes, and you know, as of right now, we still have not seen any major contraindications to getting the vaccine. The one thing that we have been telling people that we have, we had, we have had to turn people away is if you've gotten another vaccine within 14 days, you really should wait 14 days after your vac after that vaccine to get, to get the, the, the COVID vaccine, because, and the reason for that is I don't think it was going to cause any major problems, but I think the FDA is just really trying to clarify, you know, if we gave someone, three vaccines and the COVID vaccine was one of them. If someone had side effects, it would be really hard to figure out, you know, is it your flu shot, is it your, your shingles vaccine, or is it the COVID vaccine? So the FDA is just really trying to be clear of if we give the COVID vaccine and someone has a side effect, let's make sure it's due to the COVID vaccine and not, mm -hmm. you know, some of these other vaccines. Well, and I, again, read that there have been a couple of people who got the vaccine and then tested positive for COVID a few days later, but that meant they probably had COVID before they got the vaccine. Yes. And, and uh, trust me, I've already had at least three or four cases that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, people who were in phase one who got the vaccine who ended up getting COVID. So yeah. uh, again, we start to see some protection at, at, at 14 days. Uh, and it typically and if you look at the when you look at the research that was done, they were still seeing cases of COVID similar to the placebo group up to about 14 days. So, mm. you know, um, we're still telling people you got to be careful just because you get the vaccine doesn't mean you're automatically immune the next day. And then it also still is important while we have this pandemic, we still want people to wear masks. 
we still want people to be physically distant um, until we get enough people vaccinated that we get this under control. Um, because there are some, a few other questions with the vaccine, but that's all, you know, for me personally, I got the vaccine, but I'm still doing the distancing. I'm still wearing the mask uh, until we get our rates under a little bit better control in our community. Well, so let's, let's uh, delve into that a little bit, Dr. Pasternak. What is herd immunity? Because that's the phrase that we hear a lot, that we're all going for herd immunity. So herd immunity, viruses are particular things, and viruses cannot live on their own. Viruses have to live in some sort of host, and it could be a human, it could be an animal, uh, it could be a plant. But they have to sort of get into the cell of something else to replicate, to do different things. The idea with herd immunity is if we can get people where the virus can't get into their system or the virus can't replicate in their system, then they don't spread that virus. So the idea behind herd immunity, um, you know, I, I sometimes the analogy I use for this one is it's like someone who's really thirsty and you got a bunch of water fountains and, you know, they have to drink something or they're going to die. Well, if you turn off, if, you know, the water fountains are all open or if people aren't immune, that you can drink, you can thrive. If you turn off all half those water fountains, it gets harder and harder for that, for to get the water. If you turn off all the water fountains and that, the, you know, you need to drink something, well, eventually that thing's going to die off. So the idea behind this is we're really trying to get it so the virus doesn't have a place to go to start replicating and spreading. And that's what herd immunity is about. Well, let me ask you, let's say, let's take Access Healthcare Network as an example, um, because you're so familiar with our organization and been involved for so long. So if we were to get 90% of our staff vaccinated, would we have herd immunity for that organization? Um, that's a good question. And my, my, my answer to that right now is yes. I actually want to, it's kind of funny you say that. I actually want to double check that with a friend of mine who's a, uh, she's a brilliant epidemiologist. And, and um, but that's, that's essentially the idea that if you get within a population and it could be a city, it could be a state, but if you get that chunk of people vaccinated, the idea of that virus spreading out of control is going to go way, way down. So um, there's some other events that I'm, I'm working with that we're, that's why we're sort of looking at that number of, okay, if we have 80 or 90% of the people there, um, at least what we know is we're not going to become a super spreader event. I mean, you might still have, you know, I mean, there's an off chance that one or two people might get it, but this idea of like one person infecting 40 other people isn't going to happen. Right. Right. And, you know, at Access, we don't now because we're most of us are working from home and we, uh, we're not taking in-person appointments, but we want to go back to that, as you know, uh, with the public. And um, those are questions that I would think are really applicable to so many businesses. Take, for instance, a restaurant. And I'm kind of making this up, but would I be more likely to go to a restaurant where they were advertising that everybody had been vaccinated that works there. And, and I think you're probably going to start seeing some of that um, happening. Um, you know, uh, again, within my own cohort, I mean, we've kind of been laughing uh, about, you know, because healthcare providers are sort of tier one and we've all been getting vaccinated. Right. Um, and we've been saying, I mean, my wife and I, we haven't had people over in months, um, but we're starting to think about, okay, well, if I'm vaccinated, my wife is vaccinated, and we have another couple where they're both healthcare workers, 
and they're both vaccinated. They're well, vaccinated. The can, yeah. And and if the four of yeah. us are vaccinated, we can probably get together and have dinner. You know, I mean, we're still going right. to be cautious. And, you know, if someone's sick, we're not going to do that. But that's when I'm going to start to relax a little bit. Well, the interesting thing is that last week, as you know, I got my first vaccine shot. And the the interesting thing is that probably about five minutes after, I had this overwhelming sense of relief. I, I, I knew I'd been kind of an underlying anxiety that I might, you know, to get COVID and didn't want to get COVID, et cetera, et cetera. But I didn't realize that it was in my every breath. And suddenly I felt like so much safer. But I'm listening to you and I and, and it's not that I haven't been taking precautions since I got the vaccine. I certainly have. And um, I could see how someone would get the vaccine and think that they're safe and not take the precautions because suddenly you go, oh, wow, I can go blah, 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 because I'm not going to get it. Right. And, and I don't want people doing that yet. I mean, you know, before we can really, really start to relax. In Washoe County, I mean, our cases are still relatively high. We've, we're at about 50 per 100,000 today. It's come down from where we were a few weeks ago. So I'm telling people, when you do get vaccinated, you still have to be careful. Um, you know, you still, especially if you're around other people that aren't vaccinated. But, you know, once we start to get 60, 70 percent of the, the population vaccinated and we start to see those rates come down, that's where I think we can start to to ease up a little bit in terms of some of the restrictions. So a couple more real specific questions before we get into the issue of where do I get vaccinated? How do I get vaccinated? Um, is the vaccine safe or recommended for pregnant women, nursing women, uh, any time during their pregnancy? What What's the thought on that, Dr. Pasternak? Uh, that's a great question. Um, Nursing women, I would have no problem, and I would encourage women who are nursing to get the vaccine. I think in pregnant women, that's one where you want to have a discussion with your OB doctor. The um, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology did come out when these vaccines were approved, and they were pretty in favor of women getting these vaccines. That they've seen enough pregnant women have complications due to COVID uh, that they were kind of encouraging it. Now, the vaccines haven't been studied in pregnant women. One of the things that this V-SAFE program and some other things that are doing is they are starting to look at uh, pregnant women uh, who are getting the vaccine to look for side effects, uh, outcomes of the baby, outcomes of the mom. So there's research ongoing. Um, and I don't deliver babies, but that's the, so I tell people that's a conversation you want to have with your OBGYN. Uh, most of the OBGYN doctors I've talked to are sort of recommending that their their pregnant women get vac vaccinated. Okay. Another real pretty specific one that was asked by one of my staff, um, is the vaccine fully FDA approved? Uh, currently, the answer to that is no, it's not. It's under what we call an, an emergency use authorization. So the, the, the FDA sort of has two standards for approving vaccines uh, or medications in general. And they, there's a full approval um, that is quite a bit of paperwork, quite a bit of uh, data analysis. Um, and it, it, it just basically takes a lot more time on behalf of the FDA. They have a streamlined process, which is this EUA, which is what these two vaccines have been approved by. And it's still, again, it's still an incredible process. I actually listened in 
on both the Moderna and FDA re- reviews, you know, the documentation, the FDA gets, they don't just get the, the aggregate data, they get all the individual data on all the individual people who have been vaccinated or have been in the trial. So the FDA combs through these things, they look through these things, um, and, you know, just to get things going faster, that's why they gave it an EUA. My guess is probably, oh, I'm going to guess maybe three, four months down the line here, the pharmaceutical companies will come back to them with more data. You know, now we have a couple million people, uh, and the FDA will probably look at it again. I would be, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a no-brainer that they're going to approve it. Um, and for people who don't necessarily trust in the FDA, the thing I'm telling people is, other countries are looking at the same process individually and coming up with the same results. So, you know, committees in England and India and all over the world are sort of all independently looking at this data. And I think that gives me some, I mean, I trust the FDA implicitly. I know people who work at there and CDC. Um, So, I mean, I trust the work that they're doing, but sometimes I tell people if they don't trust those organizations, if you look at all these other countries, they're coming to the same independent conclusions, and that gives me some reassurance. Okay, that's great. Um, if you've had COVID, do you need a vaccine? That was another question. That's a good question, and the answer to that is yes, you can get the vaccine. Um, they don't want you to get the vaccine if you actively have COVID. So if I get COVID today, they still want me to wait 10 to 14 days to get through my acute case um, before I get vaccinated. From a practical standpoint, we do know that if you get COVID, you have at least a three-month window where you're going to have some immunity to getting uh, reinfected. You know, do we see a few cases before that? Yeah, but it's really, really rare. Um, So the the FDA is basically saying if you do get COVID, you have three months where we know that your own body is going to give you some immunity. So what I'm kind of finding in the people that amongst the healthcare workers I've talked to, the ones who have had COVID have had a little bit more reaction to the vaccine, you know, more fever, more aches, uh, which kind of makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, their body's been primed. So um, I'm sort of telling people right now that if you have, if I, if I got COVID today, I would probably wait three months before I got my vaccine just to kind of let my body recover, heal, um, so that when I get the vaccine, maybe that immune response isn't going to be quite as big. Also, from a practical standpoint, I think it's kind of a, if, if you have some immunity and you can get the vaccine to someone who doesn't have immunity, um, that's going to benefit our, you know, t- there's a societal benefit to letting get it someone who doesn't have immunity get that vaccine. Understood. Um, and what about this new virus strain they're talking about that is so much more contagious. Uh, I've certainly read the answer to that question is that the vaccine uh, is still effective against any new strain that comes up with the virus. Again, yeah, that's what we're seeing. Um, You know, again, most of these vaccines are targeting what we call the spike protein, uh, which is this little spiky, if you know, if you imagine the, the virus is a ball, there's these little spikes that come out of the ball. So, it's sort of targeting that part of the the um, the uh, virus to make antibodies to, and so far, knock on wood, that part of the uh, that part of the virus hasn't changed much. So, um, yeah, I mean, it still seems to be working, and we've been seeing changes. I mean, 
I, I understand the media frenzy behind this one. Virus has changed. Mm. We know that. One of the things mm-hmm. I'm telling people is that the virus that these vaccines were developed against was the virus that originally came out of uh, China. The virus that we're seeing in these it, right now in the United States, it's different than that than the virus that we had back in January. So, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways, I mean, we've already seen changes in the virus between January and, and now December, and the vaccine seems to still be working. So, you know, I have an expression. I mean, there's an old expression, nature always bats last. I hate to get too cocky and say, oh, we've conquered this thing. But so right. far, yeah, I mean, so far, it seems like the, the, the vaccine is going to is pretty effective. So now let's move into a little bit about how somebody gets the vaccine. I certainly have had many people ask me, they're ready. They're ready. To, they're ready. They want to put their arm out. They want to get the shot. They want it. And then they don't know who to contact, how to get it. They hear about tier one, tier two, tier three. Uh, not quite. They're not quite clear what that is. They're also wondering about whether um, they can get it at their primary care doc's office whether their primary care doc is going to contact them and tell them they're on a list. Um, can you clear up any of that for us? Uh, maybe. Uh, no. So the answer to that <laughs> is, so, so yeah, so the answer to that is th- this is all changing. And, and part of what's happened is some of the recommendations from the federal government have changed in terms of who we should vaccinate. I mean, we kind of knew tier one was going to be healthcare workers and people in nursing homes. Uh, the reason why we wanted to get people in nursing homes is 40% of the deaths in our country due to COVID have been in people from nursing homes. So if we can get the nursing home population vaccinated, all of a sudden we've cut cut our death rate down by 40%. So that needed to be a priority. Um, the over 75 group um, it was a little bit of a, uh, a curveball that the FDA threw the states just a couple weeks ago. And the reason for the, the reason why it, it sort of came out of nowhere is they did some new analysis and they looked and they said, boy, we're seeing a lot of, again, hospitalizations, deaths in the over 75 group. So let's target that. So the states kind of had to go back a little bit and revise things. Um, every state's rolling things out slightly differently. Uh, in Nevada, we're now getting into tier two. We're starting to vaccinate um, some uh, or, uh, teachers are going to be in tier two and then the over 75 group. Um, we're going to be hearing more tonight. The governor has got a press conference about how we're going to roll things out for 75. Um, and I think it's going to be uh, some of the people I talked to at the state, we, we have a contractual obligation to say at some point when we talk about COVID vaccination, we have to say all hands on deck. Um, this is yeah. going to be a all hands on deck situation. So I think, you know, really the plan's going to be, you'll probably see the counties doing it. Uh, I could well see the National Guard stepping up and doing some, you know, mass vaccination clinics. And in some ways, those mass vaccination clinics, I think, given the, the handling, compl- the, how difficult these vaccines are to handle, ship, store, uh, in some ways, uh, I think that as much as I love doing vaccines in my office, I think these, max va- these mass vaccination clinics are actually going to be more the model. Um, I do think you will start to see it in some of the primary care offices, um, I think the bigger offices, again, because of some of the shipping issues, um, some of the smaller offices might be a little lower priority. Again, we're just trying to get as many people vaccinated. So, um, you know, I, some of the bigger places may get it earlier. And then our retail uh, pharmacy partners, Walgreens, CVS, uh, hopefully we're going to be seeing it there fairly soon. 
So, so what would you say to uh, somebody who wants more information on where they can get a vaccine? Would they go to the county website? Would they call their primary care physician? Uh, keep calling your primary care. No, uh, your primary care physician is a great place to start. But right now, I will tell you, a lot of the primary care physicians aren't sure. Uh, again, as a family physician, yeah. I'm still trying to get some information. Um, to me, the best websites right now are uh, Immunize Nevada, uh, which is immunizenevada.org, has a COVID uh, whole page. There's, FAQ, there's frequently asked questions on there. Um, that's where you're going to be able to get more information about rollout. Um, also, go to your county, uh, you know, your county sites. I think as we have more vac- mass vaccination clinics, there'll be more information on that. Um, and what was oh, the uh, the other thing I'm telling people is if you go to the Immunized Nevada website under COVID, there's going to be a FA, there's a frequently asked questions section, and there's a couple links on there where you can click on the state. There's a link to the state. And there's actually going to be a way that if you put in your information, your age, uh, your phone number, you know, your uh, email or whatever, um, that the state is going to start using that list. So I tell people, I, I, I'm still, uh, I have to admit, I'm not 100% sure how they're going to use that, but I would put your information out there because I think the state is going to try. I, you're still going to be able to get vaccinated if you don't put your information in there, but I think that's going to be a good way for people to get notified. Fabulous. So I think we've covered just about every topic concerning the vaccine. Um, are there any you think that we left out? Um, you know, a couple just, you know, were, what's the date today? The 10th, 11th, something like that. Yeah, um, like that. yeah I, you know, a couple of things that I'm telling people is uh, what we're saying today is probably going to change in a week and it's probably going to change in two weeks. Um, there's a very good chance um, that in a month we may have one or two additional vaccines you know within three months we might have three vaccines you know three more vaccines so we'd have a total of five Mm -hmm. and i think if we get to that and and actually with some of the other vaccines that are coming out um that's probably going to change some of the distribution my guess is there's going to be some different recommendations of who should get which vaccine based on age medical problems things like that so you know, all this is changing, and it's, it's sometimes really confusing for my patients. It's confusing for me as a provider, but that's just the dynamic of, of trying to get out a vaccine during the middle of a pandemic. So, uh, and again, that's where I think the Immunize Nevada website is going to have uh, Heidi Parker and her team are just doing a great job of updating that, keeping people informed. Um, and, and then it's, at some point, I do think your primary care doctor is going to be a really good source of information on this. Well, it it sounds like we uh, need to do this again in a month or six weeks. We may. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. Yeah. Because if it's changing, and, we, and I'll uh, I'll contact you in about well, you and I will talk for that about three weeks, and it it sounds like we need to do this again. But what I'm hearing today, Doctor Pasnick, oh. is that there's lots of reasons to get this vaccine. <laughs> lots of reasons. Um, I, I, again, for people to get it. Yes. And, and I keep, you know, um, I, and I told people this, well, you were talking a little bit about your uh, feeling emotional and stuff like that when you got your vaccine. I will it's tell you really- every healthcare. Yeah, I, I will tell you, and I, and I forgot, to, every healthcare provider I know has had that same feeling. And, you know, healthcare providers, we tend to be a little bit 
reserve. But I, I have just been impressed at the number of healthcare providers that have started crying when they get their vaccine for that same reason. Um, I can, I can tell you when I saw, I will always remember the day and where I was when I saw the data from the Pfizer vaccine. And I saw that graph, there's a graph that shows the difference in in cases between people. I I literally started sobbing at my desk Yeah. because it has been so hard for people. I get it. It's been difficult. And I looked Mm -hmm. at that solution to, you know, it's good to have questions. We, one thing I will tell people is ask questions, get on Immunized Nevada. You can ask questions there, ask your doctors. We want people to have questions about this vaccine. We want to reassure people. Um, but this, we're going through a historic pandemic, but we're making medical history by getting this vaccine out to people. And that's what's going to stop this pandemic. Okay. That's a good good place for us to, to end our conversation today, Dr. Pasternak, though I think... Uh, We probably need to do this again in four to six weeks. My guest today has been Dr. Andy Pasternak, a local primary care physician and the owner of Silver Sage Center for Family Medicine and Silver Sage Sports and Fitness Lab. Thank you, Dr. Pasternak, for being a guest on the podcast so many times, but especially uh, for today, giving us all this great information. Thanks thanks for having me. And uh, as, like I said, as, as, uh, more than just representing my my office, representing the Nevada State Medical Association, we just want to really let people know that we're here and we're trying to support people and, and uh, let's get this pandemic over with.